Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast powered by the Oklahoman. I'm Ryan Aber here with, as always, with Joe Masato. The Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com. And uh, uh, Joe, let's start off talking about the game this week. Oklahoma hosts uh, South Dakota. It's on uh, pay-per-view, 6.30 p.m. Finally got my first email about the pay-per-view uh, today from... Uh, the phones we'll have just, been ringing here about it. I know that. We'll just say disgruntled OU fan. But uh, let, let's start off by how this game came to be. And you wrote a really interesting story in uh, Thursday's Oklahoman about this. Talk to uh, OU Athletic Director Joe Stiglione, his counterpart at South Dakota. Tell us a little bit about how this thing uh, came together. Yeah, so basically, you know, another team which – it will remain mysterious maybe forever, was supposed to be a Norman this weekend. We, we talked to Joe Castiglione about it um, because something seemed a little odd about the scheduling of this game. OU hadn't scheduled an FCS opponent in seven years since Florida A&M came to town. Um, and he basically explained that, you know, an FBS team – probably a group of five team if we were to make a guess was scheduled to be a norman they backed out at the last minute that was sometime around january 17 and in this day and age when games are being scheduled through 2036 um, when you don't have a game scheduled two years in advance it's kind of panic mode and he looked at he looked across the fbs there's 130 teams one of them had an open slot to play the sooners gets on the phone um, calls that AD. Another team that we don't know who it is, uh, they will remain a mystery as well. <laughs> and their asking price for the guarantee was so high, and OU just wasn't willing to spend that. So you look down to the FCS ranks. Um, David Herbster, who's the AD at South Dakota, him and Joe uh, have a mutual friend. They got put in touch, and this game came together kind of at the last minute. And and. F- with football scheduling, the last minute is a couple years ahead of time. I think it was yeah. like 2017. Yeah, January 17. When this came together. Um, so, yeah, really interesting. OU hasn't played these games much the last time, uh, like you said, I think was uh, 2012, 2012 yeah. when they played Florida A&M. They also, uh, uh, what, uh, 2009 played Ohio State, 2008 t- Tennessee Chattanooga. 99 Indiana State and then twice North Texas before they moved back up into the uh, uh, Division 1A ranks back when we were talking uh, 1 and 1AA. But uh, OU has generally avoided these, but it sounds like maybe this could become a little bit more common uh, just because of the, the financials of it. Yeah, I mean, so when when you break it down, it makes a lot of sense. I know you know, we don't love these games. F- fans don't love these games. Um, you know, th- they're just not popular when a big-time program like OU plays an FCS school. But you, you've got to look at the financials of it. For example, Alabama is a 55.5-point favorite against New Mexico State this week. OU could have scheduled a team like New Mexico State. Alabama paid them $1.7 million. <laughs> uh, yeah. For comparison, South Dakota, a team that, I don't know, maybe could beat or at least play with New Mexico State. They get paid 575000 So OU saved over a million dollars. A lot of people really don't care about the difference between New Mexico State and South Dakota State. Um, the committee is not going to be like, oh, uh, Alabama beat New Mexico State in week two. OU only beat South Dakota State. It's just going to be negligible. 
Um, so it's a way for, as Castiglione put it, to keep ticket prices down, and they don't think it really affects the fan experience. And I think 2026 is the year to circle because that's when um, the, the playoff format could change and, and a few other scheduling things could change. Uh, Castiglione told us that up until then, it's probably going to be pretty common for OU to play these FCS games. They have one next year against Missouri State. They have one in 2021 against Western Carolina. They just factor in the cost, and they they all they also factor in games are scheduled against Tennessee, uh, Michigan, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama. They can afford to play some of these FCS teams. And with these teams now, with uh, with some of these lower level. Uh, F- FCS team or FBS teams, you still don't have to worry about it. But a lot of times they want to try to do two for ones and, and things like that. With these, it's just about the paycheck on the other end uh, for, for the FCS team, and you don't have to worry about home and homes or, or two for ones or anything like that. Yeah, that's what's so interesting about like what you know Alabama paid that one point seven million. I think um, some of the other SEC teams for one time. Mm-hmm. Low-level FBS games have paid upwards of 1.9 million, and you know you're, you're just looking at one game, and it's you know FCS teams are a lot cheaper to schedule, and also it was interesting for me to hear to talk to David Herbster, the South Dakota AD. These games are sort of the lifeblood of FCS programs. They know they're probably going to come to Norman and lose, but it's a way for them to prop up their budget. They operate at about $18 million a year. OU is at like 175 so it's just a huge difference. Um, usually, South Dakota, they want to schedule games where they can drive. Th- this was a bit of an anomaly for them, and this is a game they are flying to, so that cuts down. But he also talked about away from the money. It just gives his program exposure um, on, on sort of a national level, even though the game is on pay-per-view, which I bet they don't love. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about the pay-per-view angle of it. And every year when it comes up, we uh, address it, write about it, talk about it. Um, we, we did a, a pretty extensive story on it a year ago when it uh, sort of converged to lead to this OU Army game being on pay-per-view, which you sort of saw coming once Florida Atlantic a year ago. Uh sort of became a hot topic in college football. That became a game that uh, broadcasters really wanted. Um, obviously, UCLA was always going to be on uh, on regular TV, so Army became that game. Joe, what can you tell us about the, the factors that converged to lead to OU having pay-per-view games, period, and also this game uh, being on pay-per-view? Yeah, I mean, when you looked at the schedule, this is the game that you knew was going to be on pay-per-view just because of the quality of opponent. But, you know, obviously OU, this makes financial sense for them or they wouldn't do it. And I think also a part of it is you're seeing, you know, some of these games in other conferences being played on the Big Ten Network, the ACC Network, uh, the SEC Network. I mean, until the Big 12 has their own network, I think – OU might be playing games on pay-per-view. Well, and also a couple things. One, it's part of the Fox contract with OU that gives Fox this game, and they're able to do with it what they want, which for right now, pay-per-view makes the most sense for on the TV side for them to do it. If people stop buying it, 
that they pay-per-view game would go away. It would wind up on Fox Sports Oklahoma, right? Or because uh, it's a Fox broadcast similar. team who's doing yeah, this it, game. it's it's a Fox broadcast, and that's the production uh, that uh, that puts it together and has the rights to it. Fox can do with that game what they wish, whether it's put it on pay-per-view, put it on one of their regional networks, sell it to another network. I saw. Uh, is it uh, is it Iowa State this week that's broadcasting their game on Facebook? Um, I don't know. There's I didn't there's see that. there's one one uh, major college game this weekend that's going to be on Facebook. Uh, so outlets like that we've seen uh, we've seen YouTube broadcast games, uh, things like that. But for right now, what makes the most sense financially for the TV network? is to have it on, on pay-per-view, and people keep paying it, so they're going to keep doing it. And uh, another factor is just that that contract in general, that television contract in general, which the Big 12 is unique, like you said. they don't. There's not a conference network, although this uh, ESPN Plus deal has sort of um, forged a bit of one for 10 schools, the ones not named Texas and OU, but uh, obviously Texas has its Longhorn network that they're uh, contracted to. And then OU has its uh, the, the Sooner Sports Network, which is primarily broadcast on Fox regional channels. So it, it looks like this isn't going to go away for at least a few years. That television contract isn't too far away from being up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it, 2023, 24, something yeah, like that? that sounds right. Um, but – for the foreseeable future, whatever the least marquee non-conference game is is going to be the one that's going to wind up on pay-per-view. Yeah, so keep that in your uh, mind when OU Missouri State play th- <laughs> this time next year because that's that is almost certainly destined for pay-per-view again. Yeah, you would imagine so. With uh, especially with Army on the schedule, well, they go to Army, so they don't yeah. even have the broadcast rights for that. Assume, assume that game's going to wind up being on uh, CBS. Yeah. If I had to guess, I, I guess it could wind up on CBS Sports Network, but likely to be CBS. Tennessee certainly will be a uh, will be a network game uh, of uh, of some sort. So Missouri State, get ready for pay-per-view. <laughs> the good thing about it is with the pay-per-view games, oh, you can set the time uh, for them, which is why we've got a 6.30 start on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, this is a totally different start than the season last year. Two two night games when last year, was it was it like 11, noon, and then 11? I mean, the first three games, I think. I, I think that's or right, something like which that. uh, was great for us deadline-wise, wasn't so great for the fans uh, to, to get out there and see the team. Right. And especially with the, the heat, what it is generally at the, the start of the season. So... Uh, which reminds me, Joe, what's the uh, the forecast look like for Saturday? <laughs> Since you're a resident weatherman now. Oh, man. I, I forgot the number off the top of my head. But it's going to be hot, folks. It's going to be uh, 95 uh, and sunny, I think. Okay. My, my weather app on uh, my iPhone, this is Oklahoma City, not Norman, uh, but says 90, high of 97. Eek. Which, luckily, it should be cooling off a little bit by, by kickoff. But it's still going to be a hot one. Yeah, it's gonna. It's definitely gonna be warm. All right. So, with the weather forecast, we're gonna take a break here uh, on the Sooners Extra podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host Ryan Aber, alongside Joe Masato from the Oklahoman, and this is the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zach.
Welcome back to the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com. Once again, I'm Ryan Aber here with Joe Masato from the Oklahoman. And uh, Joe, the, the stage of last Sunday night's game was unique. The only college football game around. Everybody's eyes across college football were on this game and, and just football fans in general, especially as we gear up for uh, the first weekend of NFL football, which starts Thursday night. Um, there's a lot of people starved for as much football as they can get and a lot of attention on the Sooners and Lincoln Riley. And after the game, we saw that play out with ESPN in the couple coming day in the in the following days, and then uh, Joel Klatt from from Fox uh, had some very very complimentary words about uh, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I mean Klatt basically called him the best offensive mind, offensive coordinator that he's ever seen, and it's just you know this isn't a new thing. I mean we we knew how kind of what an offensive genius Lincoln Riley was, but I think. I think it, the, after one game this season, it's a little different because people saw what he did with Baker Mayfield, then Kyler Murray, and now it's like, okay, he's doing the same thing again, even in a tiny sample size, with Jalen Hurts. Everyone, you know, you can't get on Twitter without seeing um, people, you know, mocking up plays and, you know, just going into the, you know, they're running like a counter triple option and just all this stuff that people haven't really seen before. Um, and, and it's just been kind of wild to to see the attention Lincoln Riley has gotten. Yeah, it is. Here, here's part of what Joel Klatt had to say. It was actually on the uh, Colin Coward show. I think he's the best offensive mind I've seen. I was trying to think of Spurrier and all those. He's doing things that are next level with schematics, with matchups, with game plans, with putting people in the right position to succeed. This guy is a master man. Uh, The offense is complicated enough for the defense to look at and not know what's going on, yet simple enough that the quarterback uh, to work through the plays fast. He got Jalen ready to play much faster than he got Kyler or Baker ready to play. Remember, Baker and Kyler were both in the program for a while before they played. So uh, just really, really high praise uh, from Joel Klatt. Obviously, Joel Klatt likes to... Uh, pump up the Sooners. We hear him talk about them a lot, but uh, it, it's hard to disagree with a lot of the stuff that he said about Lincoln Riley. I, I thought the most interesting bit of that was he keeps it simple enough for the offense to understand and complex enough for maybe the defense to struggle defending it, because that that very much comes across just in the way he explains his offense. Yeah, and I think um, you know we were we were talking about an ESPN. Uh, uh, clip from uh, the other day uh, when when they were talking about some of the things that OU did, especially on especially the I think it was a 44, 45 yard Jalen Hurts run. Uh, we saw uh, was basically an RPO play, but Dan Orlovsky sort of broke that down about just how complex it was. But it comes, it is fairly simple. If this guy does this, then you do this. If this guy does the other thing, then you react the other way. One, you pass. Uh, the other, you take off running, and there was all kinds of room for him to run there. But uh, you can see the way that these players become really comfortable in this offense and really comfortable making those decisions fairly quickly, which leads to when you've got 
the athletes that OU has all over the field, it leads to really difficult decisions for defenses. Yeah, it was interesting Tuesday when, when Lincoln Riley was asked, hey, is it hard for you know your offensive line to know what to do or like uh, difficult for you as a play caller when Jalen Hurts is – I don't think improvising was a word, but uh, basically – Scrambling, it, I think. Yeah, basically it's hard when he's scrambling, improvising, doing his own thing. And Lincoln Riley was kind of short in his answer and said, well, he doesn't really do that that much. I mean, <laughs> it just goes to show you that, like, Lincoln Riley, I don't think he wants to, even if he didn't have control, I don't think he wants to admit that, you know, Jalen Hurts is doing his own thing. And even on the plays that it looks like Jalen Hurts is, you know, improvising back there or, like, making a play out of nothing, a lot of times that is maybe part of the schematics of it. Yeah, I think that play is really interesting, too, because you look at the way it was blocked up the way that offensive line uh, blocked it. And it was sort of difficult initially for Jalen Hurts to get to where he needed to get uh, to run the ball. But once he was able to get there, he sort of had to go around uh, the offensive linemen in the backfield, uh, sort of dip around them. But once he was able to get there, all all that space is free, and there was nobody there uh, to stop him at all. Yeah, I mean it's it's really kind of fascinating to to look at it and to get into the X's and O's of it and see okay like what is he I don't know like what is he really doing that other offensive coordinators aren't and it's just gonna kind of be a fascinating thing because like I said now that he's done it with three different quarterbacks and yes the, the sample size is very small it makes it it kind of props his credentials up even more than they already were which leads us to the NFL question. Uh, because of all this, because of the Sunday night game and everything else, because of the NFL folks uh, starting to talk quite a bit, there was a lot of talk about the NFL and Lincoln Riley, and uh, we got a chance to ask Lincoln Riley about that uh, on Wednesday night, and he said that he was very direct about it. When he talks to recruits, generally doesn't talk to uh doesn't talk about it unless it's brought up, although he said sometimes they bring it up to be proactive and say, hey, this is not something I want to do. You might hear this chatter, but, uh, you know, that he's committed uh, to Oklahoma. He's talked about how much he loves college football. But this is a good problem for OU to have, to have to answer those questions, because if you're not getting talked about for other jobs, whether it's in the NFL or, or elsewhere, then you're not doing something right. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you you can totally see why another school who's recruiting a guy against OU, you would say, hey, well, you know, Lincoln Riley might leave after this year because he's he's going to be wanted by uh, so many NFL teams, and that might be true. But you know, at, at this point, Lincoln has been, you know, I don't think any of us would be shocked if he left at some point to to jump to that next level. But I remember last year, he, he this was brought up toward the end of the year. He talked about the development of college football, running his own program. Um, he, j- you just have so much more control at this level, and he seems to genuinely enjoy it. Yeah, I think I, the one, and I always bring this up when we talk about Lincoln Riley in the NFL, is if that Dallas Cowboys job ever came open, yeah, know, that might be the one that would be really tough to turn down for him growing up a Cowboys guy in, in West Texas. But... His relationship with and, Gil Brandt. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah, Gil Brandt loves him. He yeah. loves Gil Brandt. The Mutual Admiration Society over there. 
But I also think, and I, I believe Barry Trammell is writing about this for Friday's Oklahoman, that the developments around the Cowboys over the last 24 hours here as we sit here on Thursday afternoon, OU fans have to sort of breathe a sigh of relief because the Cowboys signing Ezekiel Elliott helps out uh, not only the Cowboys, uh, but helps out Jason Garrett, makes his job uh, much more secure, which in my mind means that Lincoln Riley is much more likely to uh, hang around and, and be the Sooners coach. Yeah, you know, I I hadn't even thought about it from that angle, but it makes sense. So so basically the argument is OU fans should want the Cowboys to be good. Basically. Yes, absolutely. Because if they're not, then they fire Jason Garrett, yeah. and then, uh, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, I, you know, we talk about this all the time. I can't name the number of Texas radio stations I've been on, and every time I'm on, they ask me about Lincoln Riley and the potential of him making the jump to the NFL, specifically with the Dallas Cowboys. So I know it's a big-time talk down there. I did think it was interesting uh, on Wednesday when we asked Lincoln about it. Lincoln said, and we weren't asking about the about the specific Cowboys job, but just about the speculation about the NFL that uh, has kicked up on him over the last couple of years. And he said that's one of the things that he sought out uh, advice from Bob Stoops on very early once that happened last year is how did you handle it, which we've saw, we saw how Bob Stoops handled it. He didn't really – wouldn't really talk about it uh, publicly in, uh, in a way. I think Lincoln Riley was a little bit more forceful in uh, shutting it down. I think there's, you know, sort of those are probably the two best ways to handle it. But uh, I thought that was interesting that he specifically said that he sought out Bob Stoops and and asked him about the way that Bob Stoops handled it when Bob Stoops had the the Cleveland Browns rumors and, you know, every other uh, rumor that popped up with Bob Stoops in the NFL over the years. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it, it's it's nice for Lincoln to be able to have a resource like that, and you know, it, it's it's just all going to be about timing and fit. And you know, I'm with you. Maybe there's there's one franchise that stands out, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. And you know, Lincoln has already, even in his brief tenure at OU, there's probably little doubt he had the chance to already jump ship at this point. I mean, just look who the Arizona Cardinals hired, and I mean, there's there's availabilities out there for an offensive mind like him. That's just the direction the league is moving. Lincoln Riley is so often compared to Sean McVay being kind of a young offensive mind. Um, he's he's going to have his pick, and it just maybe he genuinely loves being at OU and wants to stay at OU 20 more years. He just turned 36 today, so 20 more years doesn't even sound that, that bad, but uh um, he's going to have his selection. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be uh, any uh, any doubt about that. Another interesting little tidbit from talking to Lincoln Riley uh, in the middle of the week was uh, talking about the way that he reacted to seeing Georgia State beat, beat Tennessee. And uh, the question that was posed to him was, do you like to see that because everybody roots for those things? Or does that sort of terrify you as a, as a head coach of a major program when you don't want to see anything like that happen? And uh, he said that he's like everybody else, wants to see the underdog win, and he was uh, fired up about it. He talked about 
that it brought back memories of, of being at East Carolina and winning games that he said they had no business winning when he was there. I think they beat North Carolina State his first year uh, there, Ruffin McNeil's first year there uh, in 2010. I think he said they had uh, about uh, four or five uh, such wins over the course of uh, of his time there. So that was uh, pretty interesting uh, a- as well. Just not a big South Dakota fan this this week. I, I don't think Lincoln Riley's cheering for that upset. Yeah, no. I, I don't think that he wants to see that one uh, come around the bend. Which, uh, it's interesting. When, when we think of FCS, everyone always turns to Appalachian State, Michigan. I have not done the research on this. Barry Trammell's done a, a good job blogging a lot of this FCS versus FPS, but this would probably be the biggest upset of all time. Yeah, I would say so. Because Appalachian State was perennially a good FCS team. Now they're FBS, but um, South yeah. Dakota just lost to Montana. Montana, who is ranked. Well, I, was, I was about to say, Montana's pretty good. Montana's ranked. Uh, they're the 25th, 25th best team in the FCS, though, and they lost on their home field by two touchdowns. Yeah, no, I, and I don't think this Montana team is as good as some of them that they've had. They've been Yeah, they've been a top uh, program in that division. Yeah, I'd say... I'd probably put Montana right behind North Dakota State yeah. as uh, FCS powers, although North Dakota State has sort of lapped everybody at, at this point. Just bring them on up. We should have like a <laughs> you know relegation system or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, that would certainly be interesting. But we're going to take a break here on the, uh, the Sooners Extra podcast. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning on tuning in each week this is the sooners extra podcast presented by zach Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com. I'm Ryan Aber here with Joe Masato. And, Joe, let's talk a little bit about Saturday's game. Got to spend at least one segment with some time on South Dakota. Um, the actual game I'm fired we're talking up. about. I'm we, fired up. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, But... We're going to answer a couple questions that were emailed to us. If you have questions for the uh, Sooners mailbag, uh, drop us a line. You can email me at rabear at oklahoman.com, or uh, you can email Joe at jmasato at at oklahoman.com. The first question is, how much will we see Spencer Rattler uh, play on Saturday? Joe, what do you think? Um quite a bit I, I don't know I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know Jalen Hurts is going to play the whole first half he's probably going to play the first couple of series in the third quarter but I think this is just going to be a total blowout so I'm expecting um, Tanner Mordecai and, and Spencer Rattler maybe to each I don't know quarterback two drives I, I don't know uh, I'm going to say that Spencer Rattler plays the fourth quarter I'm going to the whole say, quarter the whole quarter I'm going to say that uh, Jalen Hurts plays the first half, then we see Tanner Mordecai, and then we see Spencer Rattler. That'd be a good way to divide it up. So we'll see. I, I think it's going to be. It'd be really. It's really going to be interesting to me to see how Spencer Rattler reacts to that. How he, um, how he comes out there. Now we'll see if they're going to run their offense 
or if they're just going to have him hand off and, and be just sort of kill the game. Now, obviously, they're not going to be in hurry-up mode at that point to move up and down the field. But uh, I would like to see him throw the ball a couple times just to sort of get a feel for that. But uh, I think there's a, a shot that he plays a, plays an entire quarter on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad guess. And, you know, by the time he's in, it's already going to be so lopsided. But I, I would expect him to throw some passes. I mean, South Dakota's not going to be offended by that. They'll know what OU's trying to do to break in a new quarterback. But I, I think they'll sort of turn over the offense for him. He's going to be working with twos and threes on the offensive line and at receiver and running back. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see him in there. And that's that's one of the best things about games like this is it gives us and everybody else a chance um, to see a guy like that uh, who we wouldn't otherwise see in close conference games. Yeah, so so that'll be uh, be something to watch on Saturday, even late in the game. You'll want to keep an eye out for that. Uh, Joe, the other question was about injuries. Um, there's a couple guys who missed uh, last week's games, uh, Dylan Fahamatau and, and Kenneth Mann, I think, being the two that, that really stood out. Um, it, it sounds like Fahamatau is almost certainly uh, going to be ready to play on Saturday, and we'll see him uh, in the rotation there at the defensive line. Uh, Mann's a little bit more up in the air, uh, it seems like, right now. Yeah, just – kind of reading between the lines with what Lincoln Riley said Tuesday doesn't sound like Kenneth Mann is going to play I mean if he's if he's not certain on Tuesday to play on Saturday and the opponent is South Dakota I don't know why they would rush him back it's not like he's a young guy who needs the experience but yeah Fa Matel uh, looks to be back and I don't know if we mentioned this on the last pod but TJ Pledger is expected back at a uh I guess undetermined date later this season, but yeah, definitely he, not Saturday. Yeah, and that was that was good news. I thought for Sooners fans that uh, TJ Pleasure will be back. We saw a little bit of Ramondre Stevenson, mm-hmm. good and bad, in the opener. Um, we'll, we'll see how quickly he can work his way back into any kind of rotation. Because one, there wasn't much rotation last week. It was Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon. Although uh, even uh, even then. Jalen Hurts had the majority of the carries on the ground, but we saw much more Trey Sermon than we did even of Kennedy Brooks. So that third guy uh, isn't going to get much uh, room at all. But uh, I think a third guy is going to get some chances. But uh, generally when you fumble or when you have ball control issues with uh, Lincoln Riley, it takes a little bit to work your way back in. Yeah, and that that's still a room though where they need three and probably four guys just to, at the rate you see guys get injured in the in the running back room. So um, it is good news for OU that TJ Pledger is expected to be back at some point. It seems like it was a pretty minor hand surgery uh, injury he suffered after practice. Um, so yeah, nothing serious on that front. It doesn't sound like. Yeah, now let's get into uh, picks in the game on Saturday. Uh, Joe, you had 66-13, to 13, uh, the Sooners over South Dakota. You know, given OU's history with FCS opponents, um, you know, it's hard to say a 66-13 win would be disappointing, <laughs> but I, I think uh, a, a lot of OU fans would be disappointed giving up 13 points to uh, South Dakota. Yeah, I mean... They shouldn't be, though. <laughs> it's probably going to come maybe in garbage time. But, like, remember, uh, yes, I'm, I'm not going to present South Dakota as, as, 
having any shot in this game because they don't. But their quarterback, as Lincoln Riley uh, so keenly pointed out on Tuesday, was the fourth leading passer in the FCS last year. Um, you know, they're they're kind of a high for, for a team that lost to such notable opponents as Indiana State, uh, Northern Iowa. <laughs> I'm not Iowa. defending them. <laughs> uh, hey, Northern Iowa is a pretty good ball club. Yeah, they they lost to they also lost to Kansas State. Uh, they actually led that game Should've pretty late. Kansas. They led that game in the fourth quarter. By 12. Uh, these are the teams that they beat last year. Northern Colorado, Southern Illinois, uh, Missouri State ranked opponent, uh, the Missouri State Bears, um, and uh, Western Illinois was their other win. Yeah, so South Dakota State, what you need to know is that they're like middle of the road, I would say, <laughs> in an FCS team. Well, actually, here's what you need to know about South Dakota South Dakota. South Dakota, sorry. Yeah, not, I was about not, to say. Not state. We're, we're not talking about the Jackrabbits State here. is a little better now. Do you know what the South Dakota mascot is? The Coyote? Uh, so, uh, wait, the actual like mascot mascot well, or the nickname? The nickname. The Coyotes. No, it is not. The, ki- the Coyotes. Coyotes. Yes. This is in their game notes. Coyotes. It is the Coyotes. It I like that better. Two syllables. Coyotes. So yeah, it, it is the uh, the coyotes. So. I think on their jerseys it just says Yotes on the front in, in small print, like uh, where Sooners would be on the OU jersey. I, I saw some pictures. I don't know if those were dated or not. Um, just to throw out other South Dakota fun facts, Vermilion, South Dakota. That's a fun place to say. Um, that's where they're from, and they play in the Dakota Dome, a ten thousand seat. <laughs> uh, looks like a big concrete dome that. Uh, yeah, that's it's been around it's, since 1979, and apparently is undergoing quite a bit of renovation <laughs> this year. Because it's I not think the prettiest I, thing. I, I want to say their their uh, capacity is much less than 10,000 this year. Maybe it's like 5,600 yeah. or or something like that. As they, I think they're going through stages, so they're actually like doing the renovation during the season, which is sort of interesting and weird for a dome, especially. Um, but uh, it's but too yeah. bad it's not a home and home. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself, Joe. Speak for yourself. Although, I wouldn't be making the trip, but I, I might drive on my own dime. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> but I've never been to South Dakota, so yeah. actually it might be interesting. Um, but uh, not sure that Vermilion is quite the place that I would want to visit if I was in South yeah, Dakota. Yeah, I, I think it's right on the Nebraska border. Yeah, it's as I far think, south in South Dakota as one can go, I think. Yeah, I, I actually think there's some uh, – a Nebraska newspaper that actually covers them yeah. is one of their traveling uh, media outlets That's for, interesting. for this game. So uh, that will be uh, – it's it's interesting to, to be able to look at some of these places that you never think of really um, and certainly Vermillion – South Dakota is one of them. It is. Uh, it looks like a quaint place just from uh, the first Google images that pop up. Yeah, it is uh, right outside of uh, Sioux City. Um, I guess what would that be? Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah, they've uh, got yeah. a lot of Iowans on the roster. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think Sioux City is the uh, out-of-state newspaper that covers them. They're just uh, like 15, 20 miles away, I think, from Sioux City. So I, I will say. We don't have very high hopes for the Yotes, uh, the Coyotes. 66, uh, so 
me, you, and, and Jenny all picked OU to score 66. Uh, I don't That's know how much you read into that. Interesting. Um, and I, tr- I, I actually, I think, was one of the last ones to pick it. And, by the way, we pick in a, a Google document so you can see what everybody else has picked. I generally don't look at them at yeah. all, which can be good and bad. Uh, in this case, I might not. I wouldn't have picked 66 if I would have known everybody else had 66. But Two I would, at 63. 66 to 10. Now, OU has played uh, – we talked in the first segment about the, the FCS games that OU has played. Um, what was it, six of them, I think. They've only given up touchdowns in two, uh, once to North Texas and once to uh, Florida A&M a couple years ago. So uh, I, I picked 10, which obviously would be a touchdown and a field goal. But uh, historically – Somebody like Jenny Carlson at sixty-six to six would be right. Barry Trammell went fifty-six to twelve. I don't know if he expects four four field goals, four field goals, six or, safeties, uh, <laughs> six safeties, <laughs> maybe a, a touchdown, a field goal, and a safety. Not exactly sure, uh, or, or a touchdown, two-point conversion, and two safeties. Not exactly sure how he gets to fifty-six to twelve, but Barry Trammell said fifty-six to twelve. Um, Joe, some some other picks, and let's see where we're different on the picks this week. Uh, West Virginia, Missouri. You picked Missouri. I was the only one who went with the Mountaineers. Yeah, the only uh, the only Big Twelve supporter. I, I don't know. I mean that that game's a total toss up to me. And you pick West Virginia to cover, though. Yeah, I picked Missouri to win by a point. Um, I think that line is way too high. Ele- Eleven and a half. I think. Uh, let's see here. I think all of us picked Missouri to cover, um, or West Virginia to cover, excuse me. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That's just, you know, two two rough weeks for those teams in week one. Yeah, uh, a couple other places where we're different. You picked Colorado to uh, beat Nebraska. Colorado, uh, a six-and-a-half-point underdog. You picked the Buffaloes. This is a great old Big 12 yeah. matchup. <laughs> Uh, but but now it's a, a Pac-12, Big Ten, uh, non conference game. I went with Nebraska, thirty-eight to twenty-eight. Nebraska wasn't extremely um, impressive in their opener, although they sort of got going after a little while. But uh, it's hard for me to think that uh, the the Huskers aren't going to win this game. Yeah, you know, I just haven't really, you know bought into the hype yet on Nebraska. I think they're getting a lot of talk. Scott Frost, Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback. Um, You know, going back to last week, I was about to pick Colorado State over Colorado. Colorado, I think, had a really good second half and and kind of pulled away, so I picked them to to, uh, keep up that momentum. And we talked about the the Big 12 support. I went against that in LSU-Texas, picked LSU to win by three points, 31-28. Picked Texas to uh, cover the spread, but you went with Texas straight up. I, I'm I'm seeing I'm the only one w- that went with the Longhorns in this one. Um, so I can't wait for that game. Joe I mean, with the just, horns up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Me me with the horns up. Um, Shout out to Eddie Rado. Horns up for peace. That's gonna be a fun one. I mean that is that's just gonna be really. Uh, I hope I hope a good game. Yeah, and you know what time it starts? I six seven. Uh, six thirty. I oh, believe. Oh great. Yeah, so so. Uh, we it, it'll be fun. We won't see it, but it'll be fun. Um, you know, maybe we can get one of the uh, the TVs on the back wall in the press box to stay on uh, LSU Texas. Although, of course, we're going to be a hundred percent focused on what happens at uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, right? Yeah, definitely. We, we've got to see what the uh, 
vermilionites. Is that what they're, <laughs> can I call them that? I, I hope that's appropriate. Um, we'll see how they fare. <laughs> Send all your complaint emails <laughs> to jmasato at oklahoma.com. Uh, Joe, you also apparently didn't watch what happened last week as you picked Arkansas to beat Ole Miss. Not that I Ole mean, Miss do you feel great. good about either of these teams? This is a horrible game. I'm I'm ashamed that it even made it onto our pick sheet. <laughs> it is there. There has there ever been a worse SEC game? Yeah, I mean that's horrible. Arkansas at Ole Miss. How uh, fun! I will say, Ole Miss at least played a good opponent last week. Yeah, Memphis, that's true. Memphis is a pretty good program. They uh, they knocked off the Rebels, but uh, Arkansas dang near got beat by Portland State. Yeah, just I don't know. I mean, when is when is that program going to rebound? If it if ever. I, I mean, you would think so at some point. You think they'd be able to get enough talent from Texas to go up there? I know Fayetteville's a tough place to recruit to, but Fayetteville's also great. Like I I, I used to cover Arkansas, spent a lot of time up there, and. I love Northwest Arkansas. I love Fayetteville. Um, really hope that uh, Chad Morris is able to turn that program around, but it just doesn't look like it's going to be this year after watching uh, their performance last week against Portland State. Uh, Joe, I saved this for last, but you also went out on a big, big limb this week. That's right. With a pick. <laughs> Go Bearcats. Uh, I, I picked Cincinnati over Ohio State now. Some background on this pick. Not that anyone really cares. But this be- is where Joe starts backtracking. <laughs> but, but, but before Hard. the season, we had to pick uh, our upset of the year. I picked Cincinnati over Ohio State, and I feel obligated to stick with that pick. Cincinnati, their defense looked good against UCLA. UCLA's offense looked terrible. Um, Ohio State, they didn't cover against Florida Atlantic. Maybe, maybe Luke Fickle will get back at the uh, his alma mater. They were up in that game though, really quickly. Was it twenty-one nothing or twenty-eight nothing? Yeah, well, in the first quarter, <laughs> and then they just sort of cruised from there. No cruising uh, against. Cincinnati. I know, obviously, points in the fourth quarter matter as much as points in the first quarter for betting purposes. Um, but I still think Ohio State's going to win. I picked Ohio State to. Not quite cover at thirty to seventeen, but get pretty close to it. Yeah, since I mean Cincinnati, I think they won ten games last year. I mean they were a little overlooked. The American is a pretty good conference, and uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I can't wait to see Cincinnati pull off that upset. So Joe's setting up things for next week to say, <laughs> uh, UCLA, <laughs> they're they're pretty good. They they play really that's right. tough Cincinnati team in the opener. That, that's what you're doing? Here? Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that, but you're going to have to look at strength of opponent. It's going to be uh, pretty strong this time next week. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back with another edition of the Sooners Extra Podcast post game. We promise we'll have it. We'll have our uh, mic levels double and triple checked. I'll make sure Joe uh, does that for me since he wasn't around last week to make sure that we got the podcast on right. So we're going to blame him for that now. Uh, not even sure he's paying attention it. over there. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast from the Oklahoma. And you can reach us once again, uh, Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R. Uh, Joe? At Joe underscore Masato, M-U-S-S-A-T-T-O. Two S's, two T's. Same uh, same thing, jmasato at oklahoman.com is his email address. Mine at r-a-b-e-r at oklahoman.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining the Sooners Extra Podcast. Once again, presented each week by Zaxby's Cure Craving. Stop in today 
or visit zaxby's.com. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best. We'll be covered anywhere.